Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel. We're going to read from Luke chapter 23. It's time to read at verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people who do these things, when the trees are green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's God, God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written note, a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there, held insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you that on this Good Friday morning we can turn to your word. And we pray that you might just guide us through it, that we might know who you are, that we might accept what you have done, and that we might believe that it was for us that you hung and suffered there. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I've titled this A Good Day. You know, this has been a difficult year for many of us as we have been faced with the dangers of COVID-19, the threat of an unseen enemy 
an enemy that will show itself in the effects that it is having on our lives. And we have quite rightly put our hopes in an antidote, a medicine that will counteract the effects of this particular virus. A lot of time and effort has been put into bringing us this vaccine. Now, it is our choice whether we avail ourselves of its protection or whether we refuse the offer. Here's an indisputable fact. All of the medicines that were produced, none of them can prevent death. They can only delay it or ease the journey towards it. Today is Good Friday. So you're quite at liberty to ask this morning, how can we call it Good Friday? This day that we remember a death, the death of the man called Jesus. Well, why don't you come with me on a journey to find out what was good about Good Friday? First of all, I want to turn to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 26, verse 3 to 4. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the, play, in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. That doesn't sound good, does it? Well, let's read verse 14 to 16 of that same chapter. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. Well, doesn't sound good, that, does it? A betrayal by a so-called friend. And we know that Jesus was arrested in the early hours of that morning, what was good about an innocent man being arrested by an angry mob who would be wrongly accused, pronounced guilty on the testimony of liars and false accusers? You know, this day is not getting any better, is it? Let's read on in verse 69 to 70. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. These are the words of Peter. Peter, probably the most faithful follower of Jesus. But when asked on this occasion if he knew Jesus, Peter denied that he did. Not just once, but three times. And that's not good. We know that Jesus was taken from Caiaphas and then taken from Caiaphas, the high priest's residence, onto Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and then onto King Herod, and then back to Pilate. And at each of these places, and by various people, he was abused, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was ridiculed by the soldiers who scourged him and who made a crown of thorns that they forced upon his head for him to wear. 
Could this so-called Good Friday get any worse? Now let's find out. Jesus was forced to carry a cross to the hill of execution. And in his weakness, a man named Simon of Cyrene was seconded in order to help Jesus carry that cross. How can any of this be called good? On arrival at the hill, Jesus was nailed to the cross, the cross that he was carrying, where he hung in agony for six hours. That was from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon when he died. Why? What was the point? And how can we possibly call this day a Good Friday? Well, let us go back to where we started as we talked about a terrible enemy that we could not see. What we could see was the devastating effects that it is having on the whole world, both directly and indirectly. Let's remember how over these past months we have been longing for a remedy and how in order to achieve that remedy there was a, a lengthy and costly exercise before it could be brought to us and offered to us. And let's remember that we're looking forward to a future when everyone will have access to this remedy, making the world a better place. When we have a chance to accept the remedy, the question will remain, who will accept it and who will refuse it? And I want us to take these thoughts with us as we return to our original question. What is good about Good Friday? And with what we've looked at so far, there doesn't seem to be very much that we could call good. So let's look at something else. Everybody has a heart condition. And it's one that no doctor can cure. What I mean by saying that is, listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17, verse 9, and this is what he said. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. So he's talking about the real us, who we are. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know, this is our nature. This is who we are. The Bible tells us that we are sinners. And that we see the results of our sinfulness all around us every day. And we know that the final result will be our death. Sin is terminal. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us about our sin. We find this in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where Paul says, For the wages of sin is death. He then goes on to tell us this, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a hint to us about the good of Good Friday. 
Could this gift of God that Paul speaks to be a remedy that we need? A remedy that can mend our sinful hearts? Come with me again to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew, Matthew's good newsletter. That's what it means, you know, Matthew's Gospel. It's Matthew's good newsletter, a letter to us with the good news. Matthew 9, verse 10 to 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. You see, the lives of these people that Jesus was meeting with on that occasion had shown the evidence of their deceitful hearts. They showed it by the way they lived, by the things that they did. That's the statement from the religious leaders of the day who knew them and knew what they had been up to. And they said this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What the Pharisees didn't see was that these people, like Matthew himself, knew that in their hearts they were not right with God and they were listening to Jesus as he ministered to their needs, as he was explaining to them how they could be cured, put right with God. And on hearing this, that is what the Pharisees said about these people. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. You see, the hearts of these tax collectors and sinners were being changed. The remedy was being offered. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders thought they were okay. They didn't realize that they too had the deceitful hearts that needed to be changed. And Jesus went on to say to them, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When Jesus was saying to them these things, what he was saying is, you think about you who think you are righteous, but you're not. You are sinners. So take another look at yourselves and you will find the truth about who you really are, that you do have a deceitful heart. And this is something for us to do this Easter. I've got to ask the question, am I wise enough to see the problem and accept the remedy? Psalm 41 verse 1 reminds us of this, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. Don't let that be said about you, the fool who has said in his heart there is no God. The events of Good Friday could bring the good news to your life, the news that you need. So come with me to the foot of the cross and see the man who is suffering. Things don't look too good for him. For him, this is the end of a long journey, a long and costly journey to bring the remedy for that unseen life destroyer, sin. As the Apostle Paul has already told us, the wages of death, that's what sin is. Sin brings death. And here on the cross, you see the price being paid by this man who was more than just a man. 
He is God, God with us. One of the names he was given at his birth, Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. And he's taking the punishment that we deserve. Why? So that we can have access to that remedy for our sin. I want us very briefly this morning to listen to the words that he spoke as he suffered on the cross. We read from Luke's Gospel, Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You know, this forgiveness that he was offering was not just for those standing around the cross watching what was happening. It was also offered to the two men who were being crucified along with him both of them guilty of crimes that they had committed. And one of them mocked Jesus. He was mockingly saying to them, you're not really the Messiah, are you? Because if you were, you would get us down off this cross right now. And this man who was mocking Jesus would soon die. The other man recognized who Jesus was and knowing why he was there, said to him, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Then he heard Jesus say these words to him. Verse 43. Truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. You know this man also would soon die. Two thieves. Both died. One thief went to heaven. And the other thief went to hell. This offer of forgiveness was for the people standing around the cross. It was an offer to the two thieves on the cross. It's an offer that still stands today for you and I. For you and I to accept or reject and to do it while we are still alive. In his agony and pain, As he drew nearer to death, Jesus was still thinking about others. We read again in John, John's Gospel. Uh, No, we read in Luke's Gospel, but I'm going to turn to something from John's Gospel now. It's 19 verse 26 to 27. Again, the words of Jesus. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus was thinking about his mother and those who were standing around the cross. Part of the cost of Jesus paying the price for our sin caused him to cry out. This is in Matthew's Gospel. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was good for us about Good Friday was that the price required as payment for your sin and mine was paid in full. The long, painful, costly journey 
is complete. Listen to his final words. John 19. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. We read on, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. You know, the price that was paid for our sin on that Good Friday was accepted by God. Jesus, after being dead, after being buried, rose again on the third day, and the cure from sin can now be administered by his death, by his shed blood, by the sacrifice that he was. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. For the wages of sin is death. You know, that's the result of our deceitful, sinful hearts. But Paul went on, didn't he? And he said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the remedy that is offered to all. This is why we can call it Good Friday. There's a hymn by Robert Lowry. I just want to share a few lines from that hymn as we draw to a close. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other founts I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Remember, the remedy is there. The remedy that can bring eternal life. But remember, the remedy can only work when it is accepted. Listen to the words of J.C. Ryle. He said, Christ's death was sufficient for all, but efficient only to those who believe. This was the difference between the two other men on the cross who hung there with Jesus. One died without trusting in who Jesus is. The other died trusting in who Jesus is. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why I call it Good Friday, and I pray that you can do the same. So we pray. Our Father, we thank you that as we've looked at this together, we pray that you will show us how and why this day a day when, a, when Jesus died, why it can be called a good day. It's a good day because we can know freedom from sin. We can know forgiveness from sin.
and we can know acceptance by a holy God, not by anything that we have done or could do, but by what Jesus did when he gave his life on that day that we call Good Friday. And we can continue to praise you because he rose again the third day. And our Father, we have come to you this morning in his precious name. And in his name, we seek your blessing. Amen.